Thanks for joining us for the Fight for Your Marriage podcast with Charlene Steinkamp. This is a place where you can find hope for your marriage through Jesus Christ. Hey everyone, it's Lori. I'm so excited to be able to share with you today on the Fight for Your Marriage podcast. I'm happy that you've joined us and I hope that you've been enjoying these recent episodes. I know that they've been a blessing to us as we have been producing them. I wanted to talk to you today about a phrase that has been rolling around in my head for quite a few weeks. It's even if. Recently, my mom and I had the opportunity to record a podcast with two great friends of our ministry, Jim and David. If you haven't heard the podcast yet, you can go listen to it. It's episode 76 and it's titled, Is God Saying Not Yet? Towards the end of the podcast, I asked Jim a question that we hear from people often. What if my spouse never comes back? That led him to the place where he answered by saying, even if my wife does not return, it does not change my relationship with my God and my accountability with what I know to be the truth. Jim shared how he realized that his wife had become an idol. Eventually, he realized that he was off track in his relationship with the Lord because she had become more important than Jesus. That even if statement stuck with me for many days afterwards. Even if my wife does not return, it does not change my relationship with God. I started thinking about suffering, and we've all gone through suffering. If you haven't, buckle up because it's coming. None of us are going to escape this world without some degree of suffering at some point or another. Jesus suffered when he was on this earth, and he was a great example for how we can suffer well. In Matthew 26, Jesus is in Gethsemane. And in verse 38, Jesus is speaking to God and crying out, saying, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. He was praying in the garden because he knew what was coming. He knew that soon he would be crucified. In verse 42, we see Jesus praying again. And it says, he went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. He knew what was going to be happening to him. And he didn't tell God when he was praying to him that he was giving up or that he was angry. He was submissive in his suffering. Can you say that today? Think about that even if statement. Even if. How can you fill in that blank? Can you say, even if God doesn't restore my marriage and my timing, I will still praise him? Even if God doesn't heal my loved one, I will still praise him? Even if God doesn't answer that prayer, I will still praise him? Or can you say, even if God doesn't restore my marriage, I will still praise him? You can probably fill in the blank with something else, another prayer. But whatever that even if statement is for you, I want you to think about something. I want to be so aligned with the heart of Jesus that I sit at his feet and can declare, even if blank, I will still praise you. Is that your cry today? My love for him is not dependent on him answering my prayers and my timing. It's not an easy place to be, and it's a daily surrender to say, Lord, I don't want my will. I want your will. I want your way. I want your perfect timing. 
I've been reading a lot about David's life recently, and I wanted to show you one area of David's life where he endured great suffering and what happened in his life. But first, let's go back to Psalm 22, and let's read from there. In Psalm 22, we find David, and he's in a hard place. He's feeling abandoned by God. He's feeling abandoned by those around him, and he's feeling chased. In Psalm 22, verse 1, it says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from the words of my groaning? Have you ever felt like that? Like you're groaning and crying out to God, but it feels like he is so far away. In that same chapter further down, we see David saying in verse 19, But you, O Lord, be not far off. O my strength, come quickly to help me. He's in despair, and you can probably say that you have felt like that. I know I sure have. Let's look at another place where David was suffering. Flip back a little bit if you're following along in your Bible to Psalm 13, verse 1. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? Have you ever felt like that? Like you can't sense God's presence? At the end of Psalm 13, in verse 5, David seems to have a turnaround and he says, but I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord for he has been good to me. In just a few verses, we see a complete shift in David's prayer. In the beginning verses, he's feeling overwhelmed and he's feeling despair. And by the end of that chapter, he realizes who his unfailing love is, and it's God. We all have those times where we're saying, Lord, why must I endure this? Why won't you answer my prayer? Where are you? As I studied David's life, I've seen that he is a person who has faced hardships. One of the major hardships he faced was when he was going to be appointed king. And you can go through and read First and Second Samuel and get more details on that. But I want to take you to a story in 2 Samuel chapter 12, where you see another hardship and devastation that David faced. David's son was sick, and David had been fasting and crying out to God to heal him. In 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 16, it says, David pleaded with God for the child. He fasted and went into his house and spent the nights lying on the ground. The elders of his household stood beside him to get him up from the ground, but he refused and he would not eat any food with them. Verse 18, on the seventh day, the child died. David's servants were afraid to tell him that the child was dead, for they thought, while the child was still living, we spoke to David, but he would not listen to us. How can we tell him the child is dead? He may do something desperate. Have you felt like that? Have you been there where you're laying on the floor crying out to God and your loved ones are worried about you? In verse 19, they tell David that his son has died. It starts out, David noticed that his servants were whispering among themselves and he realized that the child was dead. Is the child dead? He asked. Yes, they replied. He is dead. Then David got up from the ground After he had washed, put on lotions, and changed his clothes, he went into the house of the Lord and worshipped. Then he went to his own house, 
and at his request they served him food and he ate. His servants asked him, Why are you acting this way? While the child was alive, you fasted and wept, but now that the child is dead, you get up and eat? He answered, While the child was still alive, I fasted and wept. I thought, Who knows? The Lord may be gracious to me and let the child live. But now that he is dead, why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I will go to him, but he will not return to me. I really want you to focus on that situation in verse 20, where it says that David went into the house of the Lord and he worshiped. He worshiped. He didn't fall on his face and moan and groan and complain and cry out to God angry because he did not heal his son. He worshiped. And there is something powerful that happens when we turn our suffering and our wailing into worship. David wanted his son to be healed, but God had a different plan. And David trusted the character of God. His heart was broken. He was grieving, yet he was still praising God. Deep down in your soul, you know that God can be trusted. I know that maybe today is a bad day and maybe it doesn't feel like you can trust him or his timing today, but you know that he is worthy. You know that he can be trusted. We are going to endure suffering in this life. We are going to endure hardship, but we have to decide if we're going to endure it like the world does, or if we're going to endure it as people who have been redeemed by Jesus. Romans has a lot to say about suffering. Let me read to you from Romans 5. Romans chapter 5, starting in verse 1, says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Let me read the end of that verse again. It's the end of verse 2. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character and character, hope and hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom he has given us. We can have rejoicing in the midst of suffering. Romans 8.18 is another great verse about suffering. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. What glory has been revealed to you on this side of heaven? Where have you seen the Lord answer prayers? Where have you seen him change your life? Where have you seen him bring about miracles despite what you're going through? Let's go back to that even if statement that I shared at the beginning. Even if. Have you figured out how to fill in the blank yet? Even if what? Will you still praise Jesus? Will you still worship him? Will you still serve him? We have to decide because we're not giving Jesus glory when we are going through life in despair and distraught and beat down because of our circumstances. He's not being glorified in the midst of that, even if yet I will trust him. Can you say that today? Is he able to be trusted? 
Absolutely, he is. He knows your future. He knows what's coming. He knows the heart of your spouse. He knows the details that you don't know. And he's able to be trusted. When people ask us, how do I know if my spouse will ever come back home? The honest answer is, we can't say for sure that your spouse will come home. But this side of heaven or this side of your spouse's death or your death, you can't say that you have arrived at the point where you can, with absolute assurance, say that the Lord did not restore your marriage. We have many people who have had their marriages restored after long periods of time. One of them is one of our employees, Deanne, and you can hear her entire testimony on another podcast. But she waited many years for God to restore her marriage. What would have happened if she gave up because it didn't happen in her timing? I wonder where things would be today if she had walked away and said to God, I'm done. It didn't happen when I wanted it to happen. I'm not waiting anymore. She did that for a while. That was her attitude for a while. She didn't want her spouse back. In fact, she was praying that God would give her another spouse, but he didn't. And today she's remarried to her husband. I had another set of friends get divorced in the past month. And it makes me mad because the devil is a liar and too many people are giving into his lies. But what makes me more mad is that too many people are rolling over and not fighting for their families. We have loved ones who need to know that there is hope for our marriages. There's hope for that prodigal child. And that hope can only be found in Jesus Christ. Right now, a lot of the world is in the middle of this pandemic called COVID-19. And people are searching for hope. And they're trying to find faith when they've never had faith before. And it's such a sensitive time in the world where I really believe that the Lord can do some wonderful things. But I don't for a second believe that God is able to heal a person that has been stricken with the COVID virus, but not able to change the heart of a man who has run away from his home. I don't believe that God can heal an elderly woman who is on a ventilator with the COVID virus, but he's unable to change the life of a woman who has abandoned her children and her husband. So we have to decide if we're going to suffer as the world suffers or we're going to suffer the way the Lord tells us to suffer. And I'm just stubborn enough to be able to say, Lord, even if you don't answer the prayers that I've prayed, I will still praise you. Are you going to have hard days? Absolutely. Are you going to have days where the loneliness is almost more than you can bear? I'm afraid to tell you, but yes, that's probably going to happen. But at the end of the day, we know who holds tomorrow. We know where our faith is. We know where we can put our trust, and that's in Jesus Christ. I want to challenge you to be like David, and I want to challenge you to go to the house of the Lord and worship. And right now, many of us cannot physically get into our churches, but right now, you don't need that building to worship God. 
you can worship him right where you're at. Turn on praise music, open your Bible, shut the curtains and have quiet time alone with the Lord, crying out to him, telling him the desires of your heart and committing that you are going to be steadfast in your resolve, even if dot, 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 fill in the blank. As a believer in Jesus Christ, there is nothing that Satan can do to you. He can annoy you and he can irritate you, but because of the price that Jesus paid on the cross, Satan has been defeated. Psalm 118 has a wonderful analogy about this. Psalm 118 verse 12 says, They swarmed around me like bees, but they died out as quickly as burning thorns. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. I was pushed back and about to fall, but the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. Shouts of joy and victory resound in the tents of the righteous. The Lord's right hand has done mighty things. The devil wants to be like a bee buzzing around you and annoying you and irritating you and bringing defeat into your mind, causing you to feel like there's no hope and what you're doing is crazy. And that buzzing might be coming from well-meaning loved ones around you, but God is our victory. Jesus showed us how we can suffer. Jesus showed us how we can suffer with hope, how we can suffer because of the price that he paid on the cross. Today, I am challenging you just to look to him. I don't want to see any more of my friends divorced. I don't want to see any more of the people I care about walking away from their children and their loved ones. And I know that unless I stand up and say something, unless I show them the power of God, unless I show them how I can have joy despite suffering, I'm afraid that they might just walk away. Who are those people in your life? Who needs to see Jesus through you? Even if you prolong our suffering, Lord, we will praise you. I hope that is your prayer today. Lord, thank you for the price you paid on the cross. I thank you for your word. I thank you for the many examples in it of people who have gone before us and have served you well. Lord, I pray that you would just help each of us have a resolve that even if things don't happen in our timing, even if that healing doesn't come, even if the job loss continues, even if a restored marriage is delayed, we will still praise you. Lord, help us to be patient in your timing Help us to rest and to trust in you. God, we know that you hold tomorrow. I pray that you would just give us faith to believe in the things that we cannot see today. In your name, amen. If we can help you in any way, we invite you to visit the website of Rejoice Marriage Ministries at www.rejoiceministries.org. Thanks for joining us today as we proclaim that God heals hurting marriages. Divorce strikes families around the world, often with little notice. You can help us minister to these families with your financial gift. Visit RejoiceMinistries.org and help us teach men and women what Jesus can do for their hurting family.